Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pelvic Matters. I'm your host, Marina Castellanos, a physical therapist specializing in pelvic floor health for women and children in Westchester County, New York. Today, we're going to be talking about postpartum psychosis, as well as mindfulness and meditation with Lisa Abramson. Called an inspiration by Oprah, Lisa Abramson is an executive coach, mindfulness teacher, author, and mom of two girls. She teaches overachievers how to develop a resilient mindset and create success that's sustainable. She's helped more than 10,000 people increase their mental resilience through her online programs and has shared her insights at TEDx, Google, Microsoft, Cisco, the Stanford Graduate School of Business, and in Forbes, NPR, the New York Times, Health, Fast Company, and more. Lisa has delivered over 8 million minutes of calm around the globe through her guided mindfulness meditations. For more information, please visit her website at www.lisaabramson.com. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. So I actually met you back in June, virtually, of course, because we're on opposite sides of the country. Um, and meeting you had a real impact on me. You're the first person I've ever spoken with who's ever experienced postpartum psychosis. Um, I think most people have heard of postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, but not necessarily postpartum psychosis. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about postpartum psychosis and how it presented for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I also had never met someone or even heard of postpartum psychosis before um, having it after the birth of my daughter. Um, for me, I had a very uh, standard pregnancy. Um, I had never had a previous mental um, health concern. And within a month of after having my daughter, the combination of the stress, um, the hormones of after giving birth, and then I was having a lot of trouble sleeping. I didn't sleep for three days. Um, I ended up having a psychotic break in something called postpartum psychosis, where um, I, I really lost touch with reality. I was thinking there were snipers on my roof coming to get me. I was immensely paranoid and afraid. And uh, it was really, you know, very quick after giving birth. And that's I've learned um, is typical uh, with postpartum psychosis is typically the onset is about one month, um, you know, within days or up to a month after giving birth is when um, moms usually experience it. And it's very rare. It's about one in a thousand. But um, as you can imagine, if you're not, if you're seeing and hearing things, it's terrifying. And it is a medical emergency that you need to get help right away. Um, it's not something that you can handle on your own, obviously. Right. I can't even imagine how frightening that must have been for you and your family. I went through, and I think I spoke about this with you when we first met, that I went through my own stint with some postpartum anxiety. Yeah. And I mean, that was terrible. So I can't even imagine um, what it must have been like for you and how terrifying that must have been for you. Um, so really, was your, was your partner just you know, an integral um, person in helping you to, to get the right help? Yeah, uh, absolutely. My, I, thankfully, I had a support and safety net there between my husband and um, my family that recognized very quickly that something wasn't right with me and were able to get me uh, treatment. They, of course, you know, were, they had never seen me unglued or unwell, and they, uh, they were hesitant to put the postpartum psychosis label on it. They thought 
uh, it was something that would pass and that I would get better. And it really all came to a head when um, we were sitting around having breakfast. My mom was there and had cooked some breakfast. And I thought, you know, oh, I'm going to, you know, ask my mom and my husband a very rational question. I said, you know, should I go jump off the Golden Gate Bridge? Is that going to make this all better? And I thought I was asking a really great question. I was like, okay, finally, I'm thinking straight. If I don't have my mind and I can't recognize who I am and I'm terrified all the time, maybe that's the best way out. And I, you know, didn't recognize that that was very alarming and troubling to ask my parents. Um, that's how sort of out of, out of it I was. Um, right. But I will, you know, share, although in some ways, because my experience was so severe, I got really a whole safety net came around me and I was able to get treatment and help. And there was no one in my entire circle that was questioning whether or not, you know, was this real? Did she need help? What was going on? And so I have, you know, much compassion and empathy for moms who experience um, mild to medium, you know, postpartum depression or anxiety where they don't get treatment or they don't get help because it's not, it's quote unquote, not that bad. And they're suffering in silence. So I feel fortunate because it was so severe and I got a lot of help. I was actually able to recover quite quickly because there was no questioning that I needed help. I needed to just pause everything, do a reset, get well, and then re-engage. For you, was recovery, I mean, was it a matter of weeks or months? You know, it, it was months um, for sure, but mm -hmm. I, I felt, you know, and it's, it, it's an evolution when you go through a traumatic experience where you're always sort of feeling more whole and more complete as you get more well as the time goes by. Um, but, you know, this, my daughter was born in January, I was hospitalized in February. And, you know, by May, I was, you know, talking in front of companies and doing presentations, doing my work again, as an executive coach, I didn't feel like myself. But I was still, you know, that was part of the recovery was going through the motions and doing things that um, I used to do that would bring me joy. Mm -hmm. Right. I bet. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, when you think about the experience you were going through and to just see that, you know, a few months later, you were back at work and speaking in front of, you know, a large number of executives. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really amazing. Well, you do, you, you know, when you have something tough, you, you can either, you know, let it take you down or you can decide to come through it. And that was something that, you know, it was a conscious decision of I'm going to be stronger through this experience and I'm going to learn and grow from it as much as that I wished it were different. I wish that my first foray into motherhood was not, uh, you know, combined with a traumatic um, and challenging experience. Um, because quite frankly, the, the hospitalization 10 days in a psychiatric ward where I couldn't leave, um, I couldn't see my daughter for the first few days. Um, that, was, that was hard. That was probably the hardest part to recover from is just the trauma so of that whole- to begin with, you know, yeah. not able to see your baby for several days. I mean, that in and of itself under any circumstance is really traumatizing, especially for a new mom. Yeah. Um, you know, first time mom. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And that's why I'm really passionate about sharing my story and trying to help and um, 
make other women, if they're going through this or know someone, know that they're not alone and that a full recovery is possible, but also so that we can start to get uh, better treatment for moms. Um, you know, there are only a handful of specialized programs uh, that specialize in moms um, and inpatient and outpatient programs. Mm -hmm. One happened to be within an hour of my house and I was able to attend. Uh, not every mom is so lucky and specialized care for new moms is really important. I agree. And I think um, you touched on something really important before saying that people think, you know, milder, I don't, I don't think postpartum depression is a milder version of postpartum psychosis, but it's something that we hear more commonly. So people yeah. say, oh, it's, you know, just because something's common, it's not normal. And I say that all the time in terms of pelvic health, but even in terms of you know, postpartum mental health, it's really true. Um, just because you may have heard of so many mothers in your life experiencing it, that doesn't make it any less important and any less um, worthy of them getting help, getting the help yeah. that they need. And I think that, I know when, I mean, I remember when I had my daughter, you know, she's a little over a year. I believe I filled out, you know, screening forms at the pediatrician's office that were really meant to screen moms for postpartum depression symptoms. Yeah. Um, and other than that, I mean, that's, bas that's basically it. I mean, there's really no other measures taken. I mean, it's great that they had that for new moms to fill out. But as I was doing that, I'm like, yeah, this is kind of, you know, great. But at the same time, I mean, if somebody's already in deep to their depression and mm -hmm. other symptoms, um, this isn't really going to do anything. Yeah, um, I, I agree. And, and I think postpartum anxiety is just as common um, or maybe even more common than postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. And that was certainly how it presented itself to me at first is that I was really anxious of um, making a mistake or doing something wrong. And it was definitely inhibiting my function and ability um, to, to enjoy that, that time with my daughter right at the beginning, yeah. early stages. Yeah, and that's why I really appreciate you being so candid and being so proactive and telling your story. I've seen your TED Talk. I think it's wonderful. I encourage everybody um, to check it out. I think it's I think it's so great and so worthy of sharing with you know every woman in your life, especially if they're childbearing age, haven't had kids yet. Um, I think the more we get this out and the more we talk about things, you know, the better. Um, so Lisa, after having gone through this um, this experience, you know, how has it really changed you, you know, just as a person in general and as a mom? Yeah, um, I mean, I think I've become much more empathetic and compassionate, both with myself and others. Um, it, once you experience a crisis like this, you no longer um, question, you know, other people's experience. Um, I, you know, ignorantly before probably thought, well, someone that's depressed, like just isn't trying hard enough. I didn't really understand uh, that there's things out of your control. So I, I just have a lot of more empathy and compassion. And, um, you know, as a mother, I think too, I'm just, I think I'm a better mother because of it. I um, have a, a deep and loving, caring connection with my daughter and, and she makes me, you know, better. And, uh, you know, working on, I'm so proud of her. I see her like uh, uh, the emotional fluency, literacy and resilience in my six-year-old. I'm just like, she's setting herself up for success. I didn't necessarily have those tools growing up and didn't, 
have as much focus on my emotions. It was sort of happy, sad, angry. And there's so many more emotions and (laughs) so much more richness to life. And, you know, I would say growing up, it was more, you know, feelings were something to be dealt with. And, you know, they were to be put in a box and you can deal with them later versus, um, you know, dealing with what's going on while it's going on. And um, I agree more. Yeah. More. I think that's really um, so insightful. And, you know, when you think about it now, it seems so simple, but yet it takes such a long time for some of us to get to that point about dealing with our feelings and helping our children to do the same. Um, was it this whole experience that led you down the path toward mindfulness and meditation or were you already on that path prior to? Um, yeah, no, I was, I was on the, that path. I was an executive coach and mindfulness teacher. And then uh, you know, as the uh, the universe throws you those curveballs, I became the mindfulness teacher who lost her mind. So that was challenging. Uh, and that made me, you know, in the dark times feel like, how on earth was I going to recover from this and regain my credibility? But I found, you know, through owning my story and using it as a tool, um, I've been able to come to new awareness and insight. Um, But I would say before I was teaching these same tools of how to build a resilient mindset, how to be um, more emotionally well, practicing tools around mental fitness. And I'd say what's changed is I thought before those were tools that if you were an overachiever and, you know, stressed, they would help you perform at a better level. And now what I understand is they're the same tools, whether you're recovering from a setback whether you're trying to hum at a great pace that's sustainable or you're trying to be your best self, you're using the same toolbox Mm -hmm. and it's equally important and maybe even more courageous to use these tools, to take time to reset, to learn to be on your own side, to connect with your why, to stop and savor the good, to practice these tools while you're in the green zone, while you're feeling good and not just use them when you're burnt out and depleted and exhausted. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a key thing um, for people listening to really absorb is that, um, you know, I think a lot of people tend to turn to mindfulness and meditation in times of distress. Yeah. So I think the key really is working on that practice while you are in a good place, um, yeah. you know, so that it's not only there for you in times of distress. So if you already have that established practice, um, it can help you through those times. Um, Absolutely. And I think being mindful of our inner dialogue and what we're saying aloud. So um, one thing I write about in a book that the book that I wrote, um, The Wise Mama Guide to Maternity Leave, is I talk about bad mom syndrome and the fact that we'll call ourselves a bad mom. we'll, We'll say this to our friends. We'll say this to ourselves all day long. And that this is really something that we need to stop doing. We, we don't want to reinforce this belief, which is clearly not true. Um, and it, it's a stressor and it, prevent, it makes us burnt out and exhausted to constantly criticize ourselves. So I would invite everyone who's listening here to just be aware of when you call yourself a bad mom or even when you say it aloud to other friends, even if it's joking, to just see, hey, that's a mindfulness moment where you can say, hey, maybe I should say something nice to myself and set. How can I be on my own side? What does that look like? What would a friend tell me? Um, 
because I don't want I don't want my daughter to hear me saying like, oh, I'm such an idiot. Look at what I did, or I'm a bad mom, and then have her hearing that. Mm-hmm. I don't want that as um, you know, I don't want to be that type of role model. I love that. And when I do catch myself saying that, you know, because I've had those times where I say, yeah. you know, oh God, I'm such a bad mom. I'm like, nah, yeah. like I'm awesome. So right <laughs> away, I try to correct myself and my husband now, he just like, he just smiles at me because every now and then I say to him, like, you know what? Like I'm freaking awesome. And he's like, That's... you are. He's like, are it. you just now realizing that? Like, I'm like, yeah, but it feels good to say it out loud and just like have that reminder every so often because especially on those days where it's like you just struggle to make it through the day and like you know after the baby's asleep and finally sitting down and relaxing I'm like you know what like I'm freaking awesome like I just made it through this day that I thought was never ending and dealt with so much crap um I agree yeah Yeah, sometimes I I need that pep talk at like 705 I'm like I've already scaled the mountain. Like, yes. I already deserve the award. Yes. So mamas, <laughs> if you're listening, you just need to look in the mirror and just say, you know what? I'm freaking awesome because yes. you deserve to hear that and you deserve to hear that from yourself. Um, and Lisa, I've actually taken your, um, your challenge on your website um, yes. and I loved it and I highly recommend it to everybody. Definitely go check it out. It's free. Lisa sends you daily meditations. I really enjoyed it. And I think you have a, actually have a great voice for doing, you. Um, you know, these recorded meditations. I think it was so great just to take those few minutes a day. And that's really all it was. It was like five to six minutes. Um, yeah. So it wasn't long just to take that time to, you know, focus on myself, redirect, you know, gain some focus and mindfulness, um, you know, and start my day off so well like that. Um, so if you want to, you know, what advice would you give to somebody who wants to start bringing in some more mindfulness and meditation into their lives? Do they start out with something like this, just these few minutes a day? Yeah, absolutely. I think the easiest place to start is with a guided meditation. Um, because if you sit uh, without guidance on your first try, your mind is just going to wander and then you'll have planned your next you know, post COVID vacation and not really to done the exercise of calling your attention back. So it's helpful to have um, someone guide you. And um, like um, you said, the, on my website, there's a five day mindset reset, which just helps um, put these principles into practice just in five or six minutes a day. So I'd say start there. And I also have a bunch of free meditations on the app insight timer. Insight timer. Okay. We're going to make sure I put that in the show notes. And Lisa, this was so wonderful. I really want you, um, I already announced your website before, but you can definitely mention it again and any other um, ways that people should look for you, your product, your book. Yeah. You, yeah. Just my website, lisaabramson.com. That's where all the info is. And um, yeah. And I would say if my parting advice is to work on the ways you can learn to be on your own side and really set that foundation, learn how to quiet your inner critic. We all have it. Um, And then if you're struggling, get help. You're stronger by allowing others to support you. It is not at all a weakness. It is so brave to, to go to therapy. It is so brave to tackle what is frustrating you. And uh, there is a light at the end of the tunnel and uh, you will get there more quickly by allowing others to support you. Yes. Wonderful advice. All right, Lisa, thank you so much for being here today. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And I think this was so great for listeners. They're going to get, you know, so much out of it. Thank you. 
All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening today and tune in next time for another episode of Public Matters.